So welcome back, everybody. Uh, this episode, we've got our special guest from Matchpoint Canada. It's Ben. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm great. I'm uh, thrilled to come on the show with you guys. And uh, I, I feel like I'm improving my chops on Instagram, which everybody's doing right now in quarantine and lockdown. So thrilled to join you guys on uh, Game to Love. Oh, absolute pleasure. I mean, how is everything over in Canada for you at the moment? Uh, it's okay. So uh, I live in the Toronto area. Uh, obviously, I, I think we've been getting used to quarantine life and lockdown for, for a while now. It's, you know, yeah. I, I can't keep track of time. I, I think that's the case for most people, but... Uh, <laughs> Definitely me, mate. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I've been fortunate to have a nice routine over the past, I'd say, five, six weeks. And uh, we're fortunate as well. Like, I still have access to my work studios, so we're still able to do weekly podcasts, which is great, and uh, have a backyard to kind of get outside and get some sunshine as well. So... Most yeah. Definitely. So why don't we start off with that? So what kind of things are you and um, your, your colleague, what's his colleague, co-host? Uh, what's yeah, Mike, uh, Mike yeah, McIntyre. Mike McIntyre. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. Uh, he's been my co-host. And uh, yeah, we started on actually, um, I had been doing a podcast initially called The South Paw Slice going back almost, I think, four years now, uh, wow. which, yeah, it's, it's, Serious, been, huh? yeah, it's, it's been a while. <laughs> and uh, that, that I initially started with uh, a fellow colleague of mine just at work, just to kind of chat about tennis. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not the sport that's most talked about when you're in Canada and you have hockey going on and then you have teams <laughs> yeah. like the Toronto Raptors winning NBA titles. So it, tennis was not kind of at the forefront for everybody, but uh, I, I grew up loving it and so started a podcast and then uh, brought Mike on board probably over a year and a half ago. And then uh, we made a pitch to join up with Tennis Canada. And then last, last spring, we became their official podcast. And uh, we've, uh, we've been fortunate to get some, some great guests. Obviously, I feel like sometimes it's easier to get a hold of people when we're in yeah. lockdown and quarantine. Nobody has an excuse of why they can't join <laughs> on the podcast. For so sure. Good. And, uh, you know, there hasn't been a shortage of uh, topics to talk about, I think, in the sport either. No, definitely. I can agree. No, that's more. really cool. That's What's really your... cool. Whereabouts are you actually posting your, your, uh, like your content? Is it, because I don't, I'm not seeing much on YouTube. No, so we don't have a YouTube channel, but okay. uh, we, we are on Instagram, as you know, Matchpoint Canada. And then uh, we, we have an active Twitter account, which uh, you can find us at Matchpoint Can, C-A-N. There's the little plug. Uh, and uh, yeah, we have a, a, like a, a nice dedicated uh, fan base of listeners who kind of tune in every week. Uh, and we're also part of the Tennis Channel network there. So if you're on Tennis Channel's website and you check out the podcast you can find us there as uh, as well and uh, we're doing weekly ones this is actually a week off which is rare for us uh but uh there there's plenty of podcasts there to listen to that's great i mean what sort of uh i know remember you're saying it was similar sort of background to me and jaram like we obviously worked together and then you just every single conversation we ever had was just about tennis and then we just decided yeah why not we just start up this uh podcast thing what sort of, uh, do you have any other sort of background in tennis yourself? I mean, we both sort of play a little bit. I used to I play, play we're players, Ben. We're not no. really players. We're just <laughs> I'd, I'd, say, I'd say back in the, the podcast work perfectly because we love to talk. But when we're on the court, it's not so good, man. <laughs> no, if it goes over the net, that's a bonus. How, how, how was your sort of background in sort of tennis and Mike as well? Um, I, I've, I really grew up around tennis, honestly, because um, I'm from a, a smaller town. It's called Kingston, Ontario, which is a few hours away from Toronto. And, um, you know, a, a nice, like, 
local community where I, I grew up kind of spending my summers at our tennis club there and uh, grew up playing from the age of six. And uh, I played like, you know, a bit, a bit competitively in my province of Ontario when I was a teenager um, and, and always loved it. And uh, I ended up just moving into a broadcasting career because uh, I was always just a lover of sports. Uh, so I've been in the broadcasting field for, gosh, about seven, eight years now. And uh, always, I, I still play. Like, that's the only thing I, I really miss, honestly, from quarantine is I was getting out a couple times a week uh, playing tennis and, and have got back to playing competitively again. So I've, I've been like, you know, I would say relatively serious about it. At the same time, there was no possible seriousness of like, can I go pro? That was never like anything remotely <laughs> conceivable, just to clarify. Not the dream, um, maybe one day. Right, right. That, that, yeah, well, in, a, in another, another lifetime, I suppose. Uh, but uh, I have done some, a lot of tennis coaching as well. So I've taught kids. Uh, so I have experience around the sport and uh, been in the broadcasting field for seven, eight years now. And uh, Mike is actually, he's a teacher, but he's, uh, he's also covered the sport via photography and writing for over a decade. And uh, we met a couple of years ago, kind of through the tennis Twitter community and uh, brought him on board. And it's, it's worked out really well. Oh, amazing. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's yeah. a- when Ben mentioned was having you guys on, I was really keen because I thought this is going to be exciting because Canadian tennis is on the up. Yeah, like, it certainly is. It, it is certainly amazing. Is. Having like, I think there's four, isn't they, in the top 100? You've got a few just yep. outside that as well. Mm-hmm. And um, it's looking really good. Also on the women's side, one of our favorites, Andreescu, yeah. another brilliant player. And it's just, um, it's an exciting time for a Canadian, I can imagine, to be talking yeah. tennis all the time. Yeah, it felt like last year we we had like a different Canadian storyline basically every week. Um, obviously, like it was, it obviously it was Bianca for most of those weeks. Like whether it was not 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 just winning the U.S. Open, obviously Rogers Cup, and that was like our home tournament in Canada for her to win that. Winning Indian Wells was huge. Uh, and then, you know, if, if she was not playing, we'd see a huge result from Dennis or Felix or even, even Milos Raonic. I always tell people when he is playing, if he's healthy, he generally has, has very strong results. And then, um, that kind of all built up to the end of 2019 where Canada was in the Davis cup final, which just like, if you went back 10, 10, 15 years ago, that would just be unheard of for this country to do that in tennis. So it was, uh, it's been a wild ride. Uh, unfortunately, 2020 has put things to a halt, but it's put the world to a halt. So uh, we'll, we'll pick things up, uh, hopefully, where we left off. Uh, uh, the Canadians are still going to be there, don't I worry. So. Yeah, yeah. We're nice and young. We're nice and young. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very, very. And like the, well, your two brightest prospects of Felix and uh, Shapovalov. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, what nineteen and twenty at the moment? Yes. So yes. yeah, they're they're really on the up and up, as Jaron mm. was saying. Uh, like, Felix has started the year so well as well. Yeah, like, he was really promising. Like, he come to a few finals. I know he, he lost out, but at his age to be doing what he's doing is pretty impressive. And yeah, very I think impressive. It's just looking that he's got everything in his game to become a good player. Just excited to see what happens. Really. I see him. I see him as like a young sort of version of Monfils. I don't know why. I see him like when he played Monfils. I just thought. Yeah, it just looks like he could become that player. Like, as Monfils has been at the top of the game for so long now. And I think that he could, if he took the next step, he could probably push even higher, I think, because he's shown the promise at such an early age as well. 
Yeah. Got that serve as well, the Johnny's and the serve. <laughs> yes. That, that serve has actually been, a, I think, a drastic improvement for Felix just in the last year. Like additional miles per hour on that. He's clocking at like 125 and up, which is a huge weapon, I think. And as you said, like the athleticism, like it's already off the charts when you watch him. Uh, uh, obviously, Mofis is a veteran player, but uh, this is Felix is a guy who players like Nadal have said are a future number one. So when, when guys like Nadal say that, you got to take them seriously. Definitely. Oh, sure. I know we've had, uh, well, we had Roger, he was coming out singing the pra- uh, praises of Rublev as well. Another mm-hmm. sort of very good young player. I think those two, Felix and Rublev, they're going to see uh, quite a few clashes between them in the yeah. coming years. Yeah, I think they had uh, they had a match earlier this season, actually, that was, I think, 7-6 in the third set for Rublev winning that and going on to what he opened the year, winning a couple titles. So yep. if you look at really, I, I kind of compare Canada to Russia right now in terms of tennis. Guys yep. like Med- Medvedev is a bit ahead, but uh, you look at Hachinov and Rublev and yep. then Shapovalov and Felix. You're talking about a crop of players who are in that kind of like 15 to 20 range of rankings, yep. all like top, top talents. Well, for sure. Yeah, it's certainly exciting. I feel like when the big three eventually do subside, it's, I think tennis is in safe hands. Yes, uh, I hope there's so. There's a lot of potential there. It's just like, my main thing is, I just want the people to be able to connect with them more. Mm-hmm. Obviously, yeah. they're young and yeah. you've got the big three, but I just feel like we need that more sort of fan interaction with these players. It's really boost them up. Like, we obviously do that, but yeah. say more of a passive fan who's not so much into it, it'd be think, great I if they can really like, appreciate how amazing they are. I think in like today's world, it should be even easier to for these players to become those big personalities. We've got social media, we've got all of these other outlets for the players to become a personality off their own back. They don't even have to like rely on the ATP if they don't have to. Like, yeah, you can is- actually, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a unique scenario where you can essentially market yourself, right? Uh, that that never yep. used to be the case before. Um, I think maybe this is part of part of the reason why uh, the young generation, next generation, really wants to steal a Grand Slam soon because they they know like you know Federer, Nadal, Djokovic can can only hang on for so long, and they have really generated so much of that revenue and interest in the sport, um, but give it, you know, two, three, four years and where are we going to be? Like, we, we might need to see a, a team, Medvedev, Zverev, Tsitsipas, one of these guys, steal a title and really get that recognition beyond just the tennis community to become, like, more more superstars in, in the sports world than just tennis. Yeah. So, um, like, looking at tennis, like, moving forwards now, obviously, with no tennis being played at the moment, I know recently, I don't know if you saw it, there's a few like, exhibition matches going on, just little bits here and there in Germany. Yeah. Yeah, I saw like Hampton won that. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yes, um, yes. It's stuff like that. But like, obviously, the to actually get tennis back and going again, it's going to take some time. And there's talks recently that they feel like the only time tennis is going to be back is when they come with a vaccine. Um, I don't know if you've seen Novak Djokovic's view on and stance on this vaccine. That he's completely against that uh, that idea. Mm-hmm. He's very much um, the way he is at the moment with his whole diet and regime. Like that's against his sort of morals. But I was just wondering, like, uh, what your sort of stance on all of that was, and do you feel like it should be maybe like an ob- like a oblig- obligatory for players to have a vaccine to be able to get the the sport moving forward again? Yeah, it's a uh, it's a really difficult question because we're talking about a a hypothetical. We don't have a vaccine yet. We we don't know the the need i i mean seemingly you you would think you look at numbers of what coronavirus has done that we would 
require a type of vaccine. Uh, and Novak Djokovic is really a, a different type of personality on tour. I mean, we, we talked about this uh, in- incident, I suppose you call it, because he certainly got bad press from it uh, a couple weeks ago on our podcast of uh, how much should we criticize Novak for his statements. And, and it wasn't clear like if he was you know, saying I'm an anti-vaxxer or just saying he was against the idea of mandatory vaccines. But um, if we do have a vaccine that comes along and it's what the world needs for herd immunity, you're, you're talking about a sport where international players from all countries, all walks of life are traveling tournament to tournament. The travel is constant. It's not like, uh, you know, say baseball or, or the NBA uh, or NHL where you're kind of, you know, breaking down into select cities. Obviously, there's cross-travel, but you're doing your travel in the United States or you're doing the travel in Canada or you know, probably for Premier League, your travel is still restricted, for example. Uh, this is a completely different animal. You have like an Asian swing. You have a South American swing uh, on the ATP. You have swings through the United States. That uh, It is hard to picture the tour, I guess, making a, a safe, safe return uh, with the vaccine unless the virus were to run its course. Like if, if we're at a completely different stage than we are now uh, in four or five months, then maybe maybe it doesn't need to be obligatory um, or mandatory. But uh, if we're in a similar uh, spot, I think, you know, worldwide, then it's probably something that will have to be the case considering the amount of travel I think both tours have. No, I completely agree. It's a good point you make as well about like, like the whole thing at the moment, like we don't even have a vaccine. So it's got a lot of this, it's become an issue Like it's getting a lot of negative press, but there's not even a vaccine out like readily available. So mm-hmm. I feel like until that moment is there and it's like a process where it's like a proven vaccine, which has been tested, right. then I feel like that's when you can actually have this discussion more. It's just more like, I was just getting a feel about like what kind of like, what you think about how um, the whole situation's progressing really in terms of like COVID in general. So yeah. Yeah, no, I, I should note, I don't know if you guys saw, but Rafael Nadal, I think just within the last 24 hours said he thinks they should scrap the entire 2020 season and begin preparations for 2021, yeah. which is uh, an interesting idea. And I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad one. And I think he's one of probably a number of players concerned about the travel issue. Yeah, yeah. for sure. What do you think about, I've seen, well, in the news, the, one of these German players, his name's Benjamin Hassan, was playing in this exhibition uh, this last week. He was wearing a what's, face... Uh, what's his ranking, by the way? Just so I... Benjamin... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He might be on the uh, uh, game show later, so we can give that one. This guy's going to smash it. I know. He's, yeah, he's, he's, he's been looking. He's been looking. <laughs> I can tell. Yeah, but he was wearing a face mask playing during the match. I thought this was... I've not seen this yet from anybody in the exhibition. A bit, yeah. Do you think this is something you're gonna we're gonna see more of? People wearing face masks while playing. Surely that's gonna restrict your breathing a bit. You're playing yeah, like a long match. That that doesn't feel practical at all. No, um, <laughs> right? Because what what the idea is with the mask, you're you're, uh, I guess, uh, protecting others from yourself, keeping your germs in. Uh, but you're you know breathing yeah. through your your nose or, or mouth. Uh, you're talking about a physical sport like tennis uh, where your conditioning has to be off the charts. I guess it's beneficial in this case that it's maybe exhibition style. I don't know. I haven't had a chance to see the highlights of uh, how competitive it was, Uh, but that doesn't feel uh, too practical. Um, And in that sense, you would think maybe it is something that they should wait on until 2021 or until we have like a completely clear picture 
on uh, where the world is uh, in in regards to this virus if they can come back because I, I don't think players would want to uh, subject no, to, to the base doing that. Idea, week week. I feel like it was. <laughs> I don't think it's a foolproof idea. I can't see Djokovic running around with one of them on. No, I can't picture that. But no, no, if you want to see his highlights, just watch one video from it. That's all okay. I recommend. Okay. You know, Dustin Brown, watch one of his Dustin Brown amazing shots on this. Oh, thing. yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you see the... that shot he did? Oh, it was incredible. I actually haven't, I actually haven't seen it, but I, I've wow. seen, you know, 30 other spectacular Dustin Brown shots, I can only imagine. Yeah, yeah. no, it's one, of, it's one of his special ones, honestly. We'll put it down in the, in the description below for you fans if you want to watch it. But, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it pretty good. It's incredible, yeah. And then he celebrated to no no crowd as well, which is really yeah. funny. <laughs> nice, nice, huge fist bump, right? Yeah. Hands up, like cheer for me if you're watching the stream. Yeah. I think I think what's quite quite nice to see is uh, these players who are sort of household names having to go and pick the ball up from the net once they've missed their first yeah. serve. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It makes you it can relate to them a little bit more coming 100%. from our tennis perspective. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like, geez, <laughs> yeah, feel feel like one of us for once, right? You've been privileged to not pick up uh, that that serve that you hit into the net for so long. Um, yeah, and I've, I've heard the idea of uh, I guess line calls transitioning to completely just using the technology as opposed to having. Mm. Lions men and women on the court. You wonder if that could be something that would work as well. Slippery slope sure. that though. If that's no, it is. <laughs> yeah, they've done that with football, like uh, soccer over here, like um, the Premier League and the VAR. Like for me, it just has kind of killed the game a bit, a little bit. Right. Like there's a level with technology where you just don't want to take it away from the game. And I feel well, like with tennis, they've got it perfect at the moment. Mm-hmm. Like Hawkeye is just a really good use of technology. Yeah. Um, and not just that, like the whole like atmosphere, like in different, like in, I went to the O2, o, uh, the O2 finals in London and um, it's brilliant, man. Like the way they use technology and the lighting, everything's just amazing. And I feel like tennis have got it, they're in a good spot with technology. I just wouldn't want them to sort of further that with like robotics and other things. Yeah, like, I agree. Um, you no don't umpire. fix it, it's not broken, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, because yeah. that's part of it, isn't it? It's just the, the human side. Like, I think that's what they're sort of losing in the soccer side of things is, there's there's no room for argument anymore and there's nothing really to discuss like anymore like there's half the fun was you get to debate it with your friends down the pub and all of this type of thing that decision was wrong that was right and sometimes you get one go your way sometimes you don't get one go your way yeah. but that's why they've got the challenge system you get three of them if you use them up then it's just you're just, bad luck isn't it yeah and i think that's a smart challenge system because if you had unlimited we'd be wasting so much time hearing non-stop challenges right so having just a limit of three over like a period of a set i think is sensible and in a sense there's some crowd involvement like through a challenge as well if you're talking about a big stadium court and they're challenging a big call and a big point the crowd is getting involved cheering like oh is it going to be in is it going to be out yeah. uh so I, I think you're right the way they have it right now is, is quite strong i i do think like one change that definitely will happen and, and has to happen is uh we won't have ball boys and girls uh handing towels to players anymore they're going to be getting their own towels um and i think that's that's for the best yeah, yeah, that's a sensible move. That's like, like what we need to do, I feel. <laughs> after yeah. after all what I saw when I was at Wimbledon watching Benoit Pair playing, probably a good thing for the ball boy. He had, <laughs> yeah. had it launched at him pretty oh, uh, aggressively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. 
Exactly. Yeah. Safety of these kids too. Some of these players can have these uh, emotional meltdowns and, you know, heat, heat of the match. And uh, they, they don't really want, you don't really want a, a young kid like next to one of these players in that moment, like 10 feet away. So, or an old man line judge. <laughs> or an old man. Yeah. I agree. Ask, ask now Bandian. <laughs> yes. Yes. Don't want to, don't want to cause an old man to bleed. I agree. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. Well, anyway, while we've got you, I feel like we need to talk about more about Canadian tennis. I know we've touched upon it, but what do you okay. make of the whole massive return of Vasek Pospisil? Obviously, he's oh. first back on the scene. He's a player who's been around for some time. I've watched. I remember watching him a few years back. Like he was incredible. Like he's a he's a really top player, and it's good to see him back at where he belongs in the rankings. And um, I just wanted to know what your take on it all was. Yeah, we uh, we spoke to him last. And also year, the maple so syrup as well. And also the maple yeah. syrup. <laughs> is, it, they, is it the key? <laughs> it might. It might just be the key. Uh, the key yeah. to success. Yeah, we uh, we spoke to him um, last year before he made his official return. Like he had back surgery at the front end of 2019, and you're thinking someone coming off like a serious back injury. What is like the realistic goal for what Vasha can do? Because like you look at his 2018 season, he had actually been on the decline. You got a player who's now. 29, 30 years old. Uh, you had to figure, like, we have seen the best of Vashik Pospisil for his career, and I wouldn't have blamed him if he was saying, I'm just going to transition to a full-time doubles player, because he's always yeah, been a great And player. I really thought that that was the end of his career. I must admit, I put my hands up now. I did not see him coming back to the level he's at now. So yeah. that's a testament to him and his, like, mental strength. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, no, when we spoke to him, he said he had been feeling great on the court for a while in his training like he felt like the best tennis was ahead of him but you still don't have like the proof from uh facing that live competition and match play this is just through practice uh and i I think it helped that he got his feet wet uh even post like wimbledon he played felix a couple times had like a couple really hard matches against like top tough players and we're playing them really close uh, so I think that actually helped give him confidence that like if I can handle and match up to guys in the top 20, um, there, there's no reason that I don't at least belong back in the top 100, uh, which he soared to. So uh, you look at his run, even before he got to the Davis Cup finals, I think he won two challengers, one in Virginia and one in Carolina, was making like round of 16 at, at a Masters 1000. And then he completely like carried the torch for Canada, Davis Cup. I know Denis Shapovalov uh, and, and Vastrick were the tandem. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't until the final that we even saw Felix take the court, but Vastrick was winning, like, big-time singles matches against top, yeah. you know, American players, like, standing up to top top 20, top, top 30 players and getting huge results. And uh, that, that serve-forehand combination is huge. And then uh, he's an exceptional volleyer. So if he has time to get to the net, yeah, he's... Yeah. He's a serious presence at the net. Um, so that certainly makes it. That brings it in with a doubles play. Like he's so good at doubles as well. He's so versatile. versatile. You saw exactly. him. Know, when did he, he play with his brother still in doubles or? Basic. Yeah. He, did he play with his brother or what? He did for one point, right? Um, I'd have to look into that. Uh, yeah, I don't recall. Sure. Yeah, I don't recall Vasher playing with his brother. I mean, he won his uh, doubles title Grand Slam with Jack Sock. there's another guy who. Yeah, there's another guy who was uh, unbelievable in singles for a period of time and kind of fell off the map. Uh, but a great, great doubles player. He's coming uh, back now. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think so. I think so. Uh, but Vasher right now, he's he's back inside the top hundred, and. Um, I, I think like his career high is number 25 and you, you look at players he's beaten uh, in 2020 on his run in the fall of 2019. I think he, I think he belongs back in the top 50, top 40. And oh, uh, maybe, 
yeah, maybe that 25 is like that, that might be a ceiling, but that's uh, really, really impressive. I, I don't think he was ever like touted as that type of pro- uh, player in his past. So well, it's, it's been great. You look at that tournament when he played in, was it Montpellier? And mm-hmm. just looking, I'm just having a look now. It was Bedeni, Shapovalov, Gasquet, Goffin to take out all of those four. And then, well, just came up short. Monfils has just been in ridiculous form. Yeah, the beginning yeah. of this year's, but... Yeah, but also, Goffin was in good form when he yeah. beat him at Rambo as well. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. is a dangerous player. He had a, um, you know, a, a great match against Medvedev as well, getting a huge upset there. Um, the tournaments are starting to blend together. I'm trying to remember yeah, that. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> it seems like ages ago. But I remember yeah. he, beat, he beat Medvedev, didn't he? That yeah, was I think that was maybe in Provence. Uh, I'm not sure exactly, but uh, that's another big win. And uh, yeah, look... To beat to beat Dennis Shapovalov is a great win. I know Dennis is, can be very up and down, uh, but Vashik is uh, a threat to I think anybody in singles now too, uh, because he he has such a re- reliable hard first serve, and uh, he can really actually dictate off that forehand wing and put pressure on his opponent oh, getting to the net. That, so that forehand, yeah, is incredible. Mm-hmm. Like what what match was it recently? I can't remember that he actually got injured and he was playing like I can't remember what injury he had. He couldn't run around the court. But they were hitting it back to him, and he was just hitting winners off that forehand. He couldn't move around the court. Yeah, he was just yeah. He still started, winning. He started cramping. Um, that was it, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think who he lost to was there. Krajinovich. Krajinovich. Was that after yeah. the Medvedev win? Yes, that's yeah. right. That's right. Uh, he still like nearly pulled off winning a second set despite not being able to move, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so very impressive stuff for sure. I, I think he was a guy, as I said, like last year probably had fallen off everybody's radar in terms of even Canadian tennis. Like we were, everybody was full steam ahead with Dennis and Felix, but yeah, yeah. you know, said like, oh, Vashik had a nice career and maybe moving on, but uh, not the case at all. No, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it's good to see him back for sure. Mm-hmm. Back with a bang. Yeah, but yeah. I think we'll probably wrap it up there because we've had a while. We don't want to keep you any longer, Ben. I'm obviously, oh, no, I know no, you're already no. keen with this rankings game. <laughs> yeah. You're throwing a few ranking questions at us already, so yeah, you're yeah. ready for that. I hope so. Um, we'll find out. Yeah, no, thank you so much for coming on. Honestly, it's been really good talking to you. We'll have to do some of this again. For sure. Absolutely. Your co-host and we'll do some more different things. Next. Hopefully when it all starts up again. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Indeed, yeah. Next time we'll hopefully get to speak to Mike as well. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, a bit funny. In uh, England, Michael McIntyre is a very famous comedian. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when I saw the name, I was uh, like a bit amused by it. But uh, yeah, it would have been interesting to give him that fact. Yeah, that's funny. Is, is Mike just as funny or not? Is he a funny guy? <laughs> oh, uh, I'll let him answer that question uh, when, when we speak to you another time. I don't know about that. That's funny. Yeah, and then also, do you have anything to plug at all? Like, what what, what things are you getting up to? Yeah, we have, uh, well, our, our new episode will be coming out next week because this week is uh, a week off. So uh, please check out uh, our channel on Twitter at MatchPointCan. And uh, I, I don't want to confirm it like officially uh, that she will be joining us. But uh, as of now, uh, my planned interview is with uh, Grand Slam doubles champion, six times Renee Stubbs. Uh, and she's a, a great voice oh. in the sport, terrific commentator. So uh, if we can secure oh. her for the podcast, uh, I would love for everybody to tune in because she's great awesome. yeah cool man mm-hmm. i guess we'll leave it there then perfect thank you for watching guys make sure you like comment and subscribe and we'll see you next time peace